Episode 1, Season 2 of the Tottenham Hotspur Family Podcast. My name's Javid, and joining me this week, um, Rob Wills from Plymouth. Hello. Um, a last-minute change. Um, Nikki Merritt was going to join us, but unfortunately um, she's not able to, but hopefully we'll hear her dulcet tones in a few weeks' time. Um, so Greg Taylor has kindly st- stepped stepped in. Bonjour, good morning. And back after, well, I don't know how long it's been. It's been quite a while, but the, one of the first voices on the on the podcast back in November when we did the very first episode um, was Merrick Wells from um, from Spain. And uh, the last time he was on, um, we had a. It's fair to say that Merrick had a few technical difficulties, but um, he's uh, he's back today, and hopefully, um, will be audible for the whole pod. I have rewired the house, especially for the podcast. I now have a dedicated uh, internet line, so hopefully, cross fingers, you're better to hear all of my irrational opinions all the way through. <laughs> <laughs> nice to have you, Merrick. Right, Thanks. okay, so um, season started yesterday, we played Manchester United. Um, uh, let me start with Merrick. What, what was your take on the game? Oh, it's a shame you came to me first because I wanted to hear what you had to say because you were there. <laughs> I was there. Okay, well, to get a bit of because from, um, from what I saw on the TV very yeah. quickly, just to ask you was um, once again our away support was extraordinary. Um, yeah. I wanted to have a little bit of a taster from you what it was like to be in the ground and, and experience that. Okay, so um, right, so it's 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 only the second away match that I've done, um, and I did have a hundred percent record going into the game. Um, so I was, I was there against Everton on the final day of the season. Um, unfortunately, that record has been very short-lived um, and we lost. But um, the uh, the performance was good. It wasn't too bad. Um, I think that, as you say, our away fans, brilliant, fantastic day out. Um, great. Just just a really good day. You know, getting the train from, from Euston to Manchester Piccadilly and then getting um, as a replacement bus that ran from Manchester Piccadilly to Old Trafford. Um, that whole experience, being there with the away fans, just making a lot of noise, walking up um, along some Matt Busby Way to, to, to the stadium and, you know, you're surrounded by a sea of red as you're walking up to the stadium and we're the ones making the noise and then obviously during the game and then even after the game, we've lost. We've lost the match. And the Spurs fans are, are, are vocal. So, yeah, fantastic atmosphere, fantastic day out. Um, as for the football, um, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that myself, a bit more in detail. But just to summarise, um, we, we did OK. We, we were doing really well until they scored. Um, we thought we gave them that opportunity. It was a, a, you know, a wayward pass. It was a mistake. These things happen, unfortunately. They... Were able to capitalise on it, and then after that, um, they um, they had a bit of a swing in their step. But as I, as I said this last season, when when we did a pod after the United home game, um, the one that we drew nil nil, this isn't the best United side for, for all the 
signings they've made in the summer. This isn't a strong United team. That, that was that was my take on it. That was what I thought. I thought we missed the trick yesterday, to be honest. Um, I thought we were playing a, a an ungelled and a little bit average uh, United side. But my gut uh, was we're missing, obviously we're missing several things, but we're missing something because I didn't have the excitement watching us play. We seem to be solid and capable, but not really dangerous. Does that make sense? Yeah. We, yeah, we seem to be able to hold and knock it about, but not really get in behind or show any threat. Uh, we had a couple of moments early on, and then the game was very lacklustre. It, it was it was very lacklustre. Um, I think we probably deserved a point. I don't think United I were, were, were that fantastic, and we had a few chances late on, and they, I think they only had one shot on goal. Um, that was ours, yeah. Yeah, and <laughs> well, the, the last six, the last six or seven minutes was was a bit more what I wanted to see, a little bit more uh, throw caution in the wind, uh, getting in up at them in their in their faces, so to speak, and see what we can do. If we'd have been playing with that kind of uh, tenacity for a bit longer in the game, we probably would have got a point. Yeah, ab- it absolutely. was a shame to wait so long to actually see that flurry. We, we were look, the, the positives were I think we were defensively solid. I think Toby Alderweireld and Jan Vertonghen looked look really good. I thought Carl Walker had a, had a good game. Um, I thought Davis was solid at the back. Um, but he lacked... What's wrong with Rose, by the way? What, I, I missed that. What, what's happened with Rose? Um, I don't know if, if anyone else knows, but, but my guess is that it was just a tactical thing and we, we were trying to be a bit solid away from home. Yeah, OK. Well, from what I understand, he had a quad injury in training just before. OK. Okay. Yeah, um, Pochettino uh, apparently said on an interview uh, pre-match that he picked up a, an injury during training on mm. Friday. Yeah. Um, we're, not, we're not worried about Rose being sold, are we? No. 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 That's not going to happen. I, I can't I'd be very surprised. Was it City or Chelsea? Chelsea. Chelsea. Yeah. I can't. I, don't, I just don't know. I can't see leaving yeah. leaving a damp turd on Chelsea's doorstep, uh, let alone selling a player to them. So it should be fine. Yeah. I'm just wondering what other people thought. <laughs> I, I, I think yeah. that's a bit of a non-starter, a, a silly season story. Um, just on the going forward bit, yep, we did. We'd lack something in the final third. I thought Kane did well, but um, it seemed to be. It, he just was very isolated. There wasn't anybody running beyond um, when he yeah. dropped. When he would drop off or, or pull out. Um, to the left-hand side, there was nobody making a run. Chadley wasn't getting in there. Eriksson was quiet. It was just like a continuation of last season. So, final third, I think we were poor. Um, um, it's crying out for Soldado sitting behind him. <laughs> Ro- yeah. Rob, was it just me or did Chadley? Any, every time Chadley um, looked to be threatening, he, he, he seemed to be a bit. I don't know. Um, what's, the, what's the word? Stingy with a boy. He just wanted to go solo most of the time. I don't know if anyone else thought that. Yeah, I mean, he's he's quite direct in his playing style. Um, maybe maybe a bit of the hype's got to him. I don't know. Mm. Uh, yeah. Well, maybe he'd been told to. That's true as well, equally. It yeah. could have been, yeah. Um, if you've only got the one option in the middle, you want to try and draw players out uh, to another to another possibility, I suppose. It's an option. This is the reason why we watch football and don't manage, I suppose. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we don't have the inside track. Uh yeah, I I felt he did look a little bit um unwilling to release the ball or see the early pass. But again, yeah, maybe that was his instruction. That was what he was meant to do. I was more intrigued um Dyer in midfield. Oh, yeah. What are they seeing? 
I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Okay, so at he's played that position before, once or twice for Sporting, uh-huh. but um, not with any great conviction. You know, it's not he's not he's not a he's not a central midfield player. Um, I can only presume that because Mason wasn't fully fit and we've just sold Stambouli, um and we needed somebody to play in the middle of the park with with Benzelab, um that you know. Hotch thought maybe. I mean, they've they've been exper- experimenting with him in the summer. I think he did okay, but it, it's square pegs and round holes. Well, it's it, your your description there sums it up quite nicely. You know, we're at the first day of the season, and we're uh, we're looking we're looking at short uh, we're short staffed in certain areas of the mm. field. It should be the way around, really. We should be having a fresh squad with options to choose from. I. I, I Stamboli was a weird one as well. I know that he has his uh, his uh, detractors and people who are very positive about him. He didn't have a great deal of pace. Um, that's pretty. He had fans in his pants. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, it it just seems. I just feel we're a little bit lightweight. A little bit lightweight. I thought Dembele played decently. Say what? Sorry. I thought Dembele played fairly decently in the mid yesterday. Hmm. He looked. He looked better than he has been looking for a while. Yeah. He looked a bit more interested. Well, I'm not a great Timbelli fan, but I have to admit, with that, in the the pre-season stuff that I've seen, he looked a lot better to me. You know, I, I mean, I, sometimes mm. when he's been put in the team, I thought, why? You know, <laughs> what, what's, what's he doing there? But in his last two or three games, he's he's not changed my mind as such, but he's bringing me a bit closer towards him. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. I bet you were happy yesterday, wouldn't you? Bringing Lamella on. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> of course, he's in my fantasy team for a start. But, uh... Yeah, I know. What as T boy? I know that's slightly... a touch the raw point there. Um, Braun is th- even. I think I think Lamella is is. I think I mentioned I was talking to Bill about it. I think Lamella's looking like the player we we bought. We wanted some sort of South American flair. Uh, player and it looks like we've got a, a midfield terrier. It's like he's a totally different player to the one we all hope to see, and he's beginning to emerge. He's he's creative as well. He slips through the passes. I mean, there's a there's a, a hardcore group of us who who we reckon we've noticed things that maybe other people don't notice. The guy slips through through balls, and um, you must have seen on on the on the the on the Facebook page. The, the the discussions with Guy Jinx about this, yeah. about the tactics, whether you pass into the space or the guy makes the run, then you pass to him. Well, Lamella seems to pass into space, and not enough of our players are switched on enough to 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 read the game quite so well. Chatley's very good with him. Kane, yes. we know, is an intelligent footballer, and Ericsson as well. He can sometimes see what's going on. Not so much as Chatley and Kane, I reckon. But people go on about us needing a creative player I mean Lamella to me at the moment Lamella is that he's not the finished article he's not he's not you know uh, he's not playing as well as we we hope he might do but he's got it and I think we need at least this season to give him the chance this season and enough runs out to show it yeah I think if if it's if it I'm not saying it's it's as black and white as this but but let's just say it was for sake if there are two camps which are the sort of pro and the anti Lamella camp or you know, then I'd, I'd probably slightly edge towards the pro, but I do think this season he's really got to deliver. He's got to do it, yeah. 
Um, I, I agree. And um, now, I'm not anti Lamella. Um, I just I think uh, maybe get the football sorted out before the haircut. <laughs> I, I think you should get the haircut sorted out first, and I think I think Nabil Bentaleb should as well, to be honest. Um, and Chadley, um, I don't know Ch- think... what's, what's, what's going on with Chadley and his hair. I mean, oh. the, the little bun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I don't pay attention to the hair. Um, I think Greg's right. I think I think maybe uh, to, to a degree, Lamella's brain is working. Uh, slightly quicker than other people's. I think he's seeing things that other people aren't running onto. Uh, I, I think he's having to adapt to a team around him, and maybe Poch is trying to get the team to adapt to that as well. I just see more, more of a. Um, I mean, he gives a lot. He gives a lot, and he's actually he's not a bad tackler. Uh, you know, there are worse tackles in the tide. I still feel that Dyer needs to go to tackling school. Uh, I think that's. I get worried about Dyer in, in, in that holding role in the midfield. It, it, he looks out of his depth, and he. I always seem to see him putting in rash challenges when he shouldn't be. Um, so, yeah, that was my view on what I saw yesterday. I was going to say, I think Lamella's coming on uh, leaps and bounds to what he was when he first came to us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we had a, had high expectations because he was doing fairly... It was he Roma, wouldn't he? Yep. Before he came to us. And he, yeah. he was doing fairly decently at, at Roma. And, and he wasn't seems, cheap either. No, I know he wasn't. Um, but it, it seems that the last... Oh, what was it? Soldado from Valencia, and he's not turned out to be the player that he was at Valencia. Um, Lamella is is looking at he's looking the same sort of thing, but mm-hmm. he's he is looking better under Pochettino. Um, I think Soldado. I'm a big. I like to defend Soldado. I've got a very big soft spot for him, and I think the problem <laughs> with Soldado is that he he is the same player. He just hasn't got the team working around him and mm. the way that he was given service yeah. uh, for Valencia totally well, yeah. he's been um, and then as well we go it's almost was it nearly two seasons ago now a season and a half when he scored his goal and Sherwood dropped him mm. I don't think he's been the same since then we can all point to the Fiorentina moment um, I would be surprised if he's still in the squad come the end of uh, this month if he's still with us um if he is, he's got to be utilised. He's got to be utilised in the right way. I think behind Kane, he could work. We're talking about Kane being isolated. Mm. We all know that Soldado can't hit a barn door with a banjo at the moment, but he can see a pass. So, yeah. And he's very good at holding up and, and distributing the ball in that final third as well. So we, we've got... Yeah, we're... Hmm. Wow, I'm getting all worried. But then again, I'm just seeing, I'm just seeing on my Twitter feed what's happening to Arsenal right now, so I'm quite happy. Yeah. What, what, is, think- what is happening they're losing 2-0 to West Ham. Oh, brilliant. 90-plus-5, um, <laughs> save. Sanchez gets into the box and gets a shot off, but Adrian pulls a good stop with his outstretched leg. So, oh, yeah. and come on, the Spanners. second goal was a check error. Um, I haven't seen the, the, the video. And yet. it's full-time. There you go. So we oh, that's got... brilliant. Um, I, I, work, I work with an <laughs> Arsenal fan. Uh, uh, Arsenal... <laughs> Arsenal are officially a bottom of the league. That's there brilliant. we go. Um, that's, that's fantastic. <laughs> that, that's really made my day. Um, I, I work with an Arsenal fan. He's a really nice guy. Um, uh, they do exist. Yeah, some of my best friends are Arsenal fans. But um, no, he's a really nice guy. Um, the only thing that we, I think, we, 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 you know, the only sort of difference between uh, him and, me and him uh, is the fact that you know he supports Arsenal. Um, 
and we, we generally don't discuss football. I think we just sort of respect the fact that... He's an Arsenal fan, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's Arsenal, I'm Spurs, and, yeah. and, and that's that. But he's going to get some stick tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's for certain. Um, just on Lamella, I was just going to say, I, I think that he is yeah, he, he is quite intelligent and he, 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 he does put in clever passes. But those passes, are for me, are only as good as the people on the end of the pass. And I yeah. think that... Um, I think that a, a pass is dictated by the run, and if you've got going back yesteryear, you know when we had, for instance, Gascoigne and Lineker. Lineker would make intelligent runs. Gasser would feed him in. Um, Sheringham, great player. Um, yeah. You know, um, he could both both Spurs, Sheringham and Klinsman, and then for England, Sheringham and Shearer. They had a good understanding. So I think under. Forging an understanding between players in the way that, for instance, I think Ch- um, Chadley and Kane have got a very good understanding. Yes. Yep. Um, a great example of that is the New Year's Day game against the Plebs when we won 5-3. If you look at that and you look at the interchanging um, between Kane going, dropping off onto the left and then um, Chadley coming in from the left, left and, and occupying the space that Kane left behind, um, those two really have got a good understanding, I think. Um, so I think whilst Lamella hopefully will Lamella had a good end end to last season and whilst I hope he continues to improve um, it's important that he he and the players around him and it's, it's a two way thing forge a good understanding. Yeah. What do what does anybody have any opinion about um, fitness levels because um, at the pace that we, we played against Real Madrid and also at the Manchester United game. Seemed, I know that AVB was criticised for being very preponderous with the, the way that the build-up play worked. It seems a little bit slow to me. Um, and if the, the way that Pochettino want, wants to play with the pressing game as well, um, I, I, they look like they're still not fully, fully charged, not not really ready for a, a full 90 minutes of that style. Still, I mean, I don't know. What does anybody else think? What did you see? I think what could have caused the problem was the the two midweek games with Real and AC Milan. I mean, it's a bit strange that because I thought it was kind of better for us to play decent opposition before the beginning of the season rather than play Stevenage and Brentford or whoever um, with our our first team. Um, because you need you need to you need decent opposition to, to to bring yours level up. So I think it was in a way it was correct to play them before the end, before the beginning of the season, but the timing was wrong, and I think it, I think that must have had an effect. They should have had more time. Getting back as well, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Didn't help. Yeah. Oh, it did seem like but there wasn't quite the full tank of gas. Um, in the approach. I mean, having said that, you know, for all the criticism he's getting, uh, Walker was an exception. You know, oh, mm. no, obviously it was unfortunate what happened, but he did show that he can cover that ground. I think the commentators were quite accurate as well, talking about um, wing backs uh, never, never used to have to play so high up the pitch. It's almost like uh, in yeah. the world before and after Roberto Carlos. And we're living in a post Roberto Carlos world now where wing backs are expected to be part of the midfield attack. Um, I think we we were he was unlucky. I don't think he I don't think he deserves some of the criticism he's got in the last twenty four hours. Mm. Um, you know, yeah. It, it was a hot day yesterday, and I don't know if that's a valid excuse because they're professional footballers and 
Um, but I don't know if you can sustain that um, level of performance for uh, for 90 minutes on a really hot day. Uh-huh. Um, and also, I wonder whether some of it was tactical, um, whether we maybe sat back a little bit to invite... I'm talking about before the goal, yep. to invite them to attack us, and then we were trying to get them on the, on the counter. Um, on the goal itself, um, yep. I think that... I've read some stuff, some people suggesting that, you know, if Larice was in goal, it would have been different. I don't think that's rubbish. Um, uh, I don't think Carl Walker was at fault. I think Bentalab made... Um, he had a Fazio moment. He did, um, yep. He had a, you know, made a careless pass, which, you know, happens. Um, but he did Bentalab... make against Real Madrid as well, didn't he? The same thing, very similar thing. A very cheap giveaway of the ball mm. in the third in front of our, our area. That led ben... to the goal, wasn't it? Yeah, Bentalab for me yesterday, um, irrespective of the mistake he made, I didn't think he had one of his better games um, in his first shirt. Um, but that's he's that's fine. He's he's allowed to. Yeah. Um, he's only human, and I think over the course of the season, he's gonna he's gonna be he'll be one of the top performers for us, and I think he'll he'll, he'll improve his game from last year. Even still, um, I don't think he had a good game though yesterday, and. He made a mistake, and we were on the back foot after that. And yeah. um, they attacked on the right-hand side. The defenders got drawn in, and that left Rooney with a space. And Kyle Walker um, was able to get back probably quicker than anybody else could because he's got the pace yeah. um, to do so. But I don't think there was anything he could have done about the goal. And... On a slightly non-Spurs-related issue, I would be interested to see uh, how Man United uh, line up and cope with other teams over the course of the season. Because as a first day, I really... I don't think they look very much better than they did last season, to be honest. No, I think, I think they're a right. force. I, I'm money being wildly spent. I mean, Schweinsteiger was good seven years ago. I, um, I think, but also conversely, the flip side is I think there'll be some teams who will go to United and, and will get a hiding. Yep. And we haven't. Yeah. We've actually gone there, played okay. You know, and if you consider our history, I'm not talking about our, our most recent history, mm-hmm. two wins out of the last three, but over. Um, 20, 25 years. So yeah, 20, 25 year period. Uh, you know, we've gone there sometimes and got battered and, and, and whatnot um, and played better United teams. Yep. Um, you know, we've got a credible result. It's not the end of the world. Um, there's a lot of football still to be played and, and hopefully we'll, we'll bounce back again to Stoke. Um, just one thing on, on yesterday. Um, so um, I got the train with. Um, Dwight York, didn't you? With with Dwight York, yeah. So I met. I got the I got the the train with um, a guy called Joss Haddington. Um, We got the train from London Euston and and back, Um, and then we met up with um, uh, a guy called Graham Pitts um, with his uh, partner and uh, uh, with um, Nick Seal, who's Nick's appeared on the podcast a few times. And yeah, it was a great day out. Um, On the way back, when we we were on the same train as Dwight York. Um, and um, we got our photo taken with Dwight York at Euston Station. But one thing I should say, um, but two things about yesterday. One, um, Nick Seal, I mentioned earlier on that I had a a, a 100% um, away um, record until yesterday. Nick Seal has been to Old Trafford a few times. 
to watch the mighty Spurs over the years, and every time he's gone, they've lost. So I'm holding Nick personally responsible for the defeat <laughs> yesterday. So Nick Seal, um, if you know, don't blame Walker or Ben Flab or um, you know the, the sash on our t-shirts or whatever or our, on our tops or whatever it may be. Nick Seal is is 100% responsible for the defeat yesterday. Um, so Nick's the, <laughs> Nick's the jinx then. Nick is Nick, guy in disguise. Got jinx. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing, which was quite disturbing on the train, or well, disturbed, not disturbing, is not the right word. Amusing, but slightly disturbing as well. On the train um, to Manchester and on the train back to London, the amount of United fans that were on the train—it was just ridiculous. Um, and all of them living in I don't know London or Surrey or somewhere. Surbiton, yeah. Surbiton, yeah. <laughs> Bour- Bournemouth. I mean, they, they call it Greater Manchester, but I suppose that sort of makes sense. You know, I, Surrey's probably the, the southern tip of Greater Manchester. It's, 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 it's ridiculous. Been that, well, it's been that way for a while. I remember, in, 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 I mean, I'm from Kent, and um, when I was growing up, most of my friends were Liverpool fans. Um, it's the way it is. I had one yeah. friend at school who, uh, who started supporting Holland instead of England. You know, oh, pe- people are people are glory hunters. <laughs> That's what they are. Who's winning? I want to go support them. Um, well, you know, explain why I chose Tottenham some thirty odd years ago. Uh, ago, because we weren't exactly winning a lot back then either. <laughs> well, I've always, I, I when people ask me, I always say uh, a Tottenham fan would rather lose seven five than win one nil. Yeah. I want to be entertained. It, it's swashbuckling mm-hmm. stuff. It's the same with the name of the team. It's. Um, you know, I chose Tottenham. Say, chose Tottenham because, uh, well, one very simple name, Glenn Hoddle. I was, yeah. ch- and he had everything. He had, he had the hair, um, the, 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 the untucked shirt, the, the no shin pads, the rolled down uh, socks, and just the effortless, effortless beauty of what he did. And that, that's for me. That's for me. That's what I want. You, Watching you, Glenn Hoddle supply Clive Allen. You preempted a question I was going to ask you later, Mary. Oh, beg your pardon. Um, but that's fine. No, it's I great. thought I was being seamless. No, it was, it was, <laughs> it was, it was perfect. Um, um, yeah, my take on that is, you know, football fans support teams for all sorts of reasons, and, and that's fine. You know, and, and you get, for instance, you might get somebody. There was a guy on the train with us, and you know, he was, he had a london or a home county's accent and he said he was a united fan because his grandfather supported united and, and was from manchester and, and doing every sort of passed down family and that's fine I, I don't have an issue with that you know and rob if i remember correctly and to preempt the question i'm obviously going to ask rob earlier but rob your father was a spurs fan, is that correct well yeah um <laughs> funny story with that one um before we passed away last year um i said to him you know, who did you support when you were a kid? And he said to me, I was an Arsenal fan. To which I replied, you're not my father. And then, <laughs> um, it must have been about a week, maybe two weeks after he passed away, I was talking to his younger brother, my uncle Eric. And um, I said to him, oh yeah, you know, father said to me he was an Arsenal fan when he was a kid. And he said, uh, was he, you know, heck is like, he, he was a uh, Tottenham fan. I said seriously. He said, "Yep, your father, when he was younger, he was a uh, was a Spurs fan before he decided to support his local side of Exeter City." And that kind of stuck in my throat. I, that, that was a good thing for me to find that out. You know, um, I remember him telling me that he went. Uh, the only game that he ever went to see was Tottenham, Nottingham Forest, and he loved it. Mm-hmm. 
So, yeah, good moment. But for me to be a, a Spurs fan, it was a case of uh, me and my brother when we were kids. Uh, he said to us, pick a football team that you want to support. And my brother chose Liverpool and I chose Tottenham. And I've been there ever since. Yeah. I was about I th- seven. I think it's- that... Sorry, I was just going to say, it's actually Father's Day over here, so that was quite... If if people are listening in Brazil, that's quite a nice little story for them to hear. Mm, absolutely. But, uh, see, I, I don't have a, an issue with, you know, the odds case here, here and there, because you know, people say uh, uh, supporting a team for their parents or, or maybe a player. But when it's en masse, when you get a huge number of fans that aren't from Manchester that are on a train going back to London I just something about that doesn't rest mm. easy with me and, and Merrick you're right you know in, in the 80s it was it was probably Liverpool and when I was growing up as a kid and a teenager in the 90s United um, were there were so many people that were jumping on the United bandwagon that only a few years before say back in 90 you know just after Liverpool won their last league title, yeah. the very same people were, were, were Liverpool fans, um, and suddenly they're United fans, and that uh, I'm quite uncomfortable with. But there you go, each of their own, I guess. Like I said, like I said, I, I, I'm no word of a lie. One of my uh, friends, in inverted commas, from school, actually shifted his international football allegiance uh, when, I, when we were growing up, and I literally couldn't talk to him after that. He didn't understand. He didn't understand how it worked. Um, he started off being a Spurs fan and then professed to be, I don't think it was AC Milan, and then started supporting Holland. And I thought, oh, oh dear, <laughs> that's, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. Um, I still, I have lots of little teams that I follow as well, like the local teams where I grew up. Uh, when I was at university, um, and now of course here in Spain, I follow the local team here. Um, it's a, I'm, I'm a historian by trade, so you know, I always say local history is important, and your football team is part of that cultural and, and social understanding of what a city is and what an area is. And I think it's very sad that there are a lot of these uh, long-distance travelling fans when there are clubs crying out to be supported. And you get a better experience. A better experience. I had a, a much more fantastic time going to see Partick Thistle in November in the rain on a, a terrace and much more enjoyable banter than I ever did going to see a Premier, game, Premier League game. Oh, I think shit. I think that some of these Manchester United fans as well, they may have inherited it from their parents or grandparents, um, who not necessarily lived up near Manchester. I mean, my dad hated football, and my mum never really showed much interest. But she always she always looked for the Manchester United results, and and that was because of the the uh, Munich air disaster. She felt bad for them when they they lost a lot of their team, etc. For the for the the disaster in I think 1958 was it. Yeah. And they probably got a few fans because, I mean, people thought differently then. They probably got a few sympathy fans then and then they would have passed on to their kids and their kids. Um, it doesn't explain the, the number of them in the South, of course, but it, it may explain a few. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, we, we ridiculed them as much as we could. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, <if> you <laughs> We're not going to let... Um, Sympathies get in the way of that good ridicule. Um, <laughs> right, so we've got um, Stoke next week, which, which we'll look at shortly, and then we'll take some predictions. Um, but first, before we do, um, here is Elliot Line with his um, statistical take on next week's match against Stoke in the forward line. This is the forward line on the Tottenham Hotspur Family Podcast with me, Elliot Line. 
Looking forward to the game against Stoke City on August 15th. Last season we lost this fixture 2-1 with Chadley scoring our goal and Kyle Norton receiving a red card late on. The season prior to that we won 3-0 through Soldado, Dembele and Lennon. I rate the likelihood of us scoring is 74% and of us scoring more than once is 34% and keeping a clean sheet at 58%. The most likely scoreline is a 1-0 Spurs win, followed by a 2-0 Spurs win, a 1-1 draw and a 0-0 draw. Overall, I have 55% for a Spurs win, 28% for a draw and 16% for a Stoke City win. Currently, the best odds for a Spurs win can be found at Bet Victor, who are offering 8-11. This has been the forward line with me, Elliot Line. Come on, you Spurs. Okay, welcome back to the second half of the, or half of the Tottenham Hotspur family podcast. Thank you, Elliot, once again for the forward line. Um, so, turning to that match against Stoke, um, we've lost our first game. We've got Stoke now, second match. Um, first ga- game at home, 36,000 people expecting a result. And uh, we're going to lose, aren't we? <laughs> no. No. No, we're not. We're going to talk up 3-0. <laughs> I, I, I can see Stoke uh, beating Liverpool and they're losing to us next week. Okay. Mm. Stoke's one of those ones I really, I really shudder to call because uh, we've we've not had a particularly consistent record against them. They have a particular way of playing, and it's it's not pretty, but uh, it does the business, and it's a business that frustrates teams that like to play football like uh, like we do. Um, mm. I, I I'm not pessimistic. I I wouldn't know. I don't. We should win it, but then again, how often as Spurs fans do we say that? We should be winning these games. Yeah, I mean, I presume Peter Crouch will play for them. That's always interesting. Um, he always gets a good reception when he comes back to White Hart Lane. Last year, um, he was warming up and um, the Spurs fans were singing 1-0 in the San Siro, um, which was nice, and, and he, he acknowledged the support. Um, and of course, um, that vile, horrible... Creature. I'm not talking about John Terry. I'm not talking about Jack Wilshere, but um, Charlie Adam will be playing for Stoke. Um, now, I would never wish injury upon a footballer. Um, but less still, but less still a life, 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 career-ending injury. But Charlie Adam. I mean, <laughs> he deserves it, doesn't he? Really, for all that he's done to to us in the past. I mean, how many times did he get Bale injured, and how many times? And, and he got Paulinho injured as well. And he's just a nasty, horrible footballer. You know, there's no. You go back forty or fifty years, every team had one. Razor you know, Yeah, you, well, no, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's only really the last sort of fifteen years with the rule changes that have made things uh, made it a more uh, flowing sport. Uh, you know, the tackling changes that those kind of players are dying out in the game. Um, it's it's part and parcel of what it's about. You, you could I agree I agree. You could look at it now and say you know there's so much money involved with people's careers and livelihoods. And uh, there have also been interesting couple of test cases about um, court cases for tackles being considered GBH on on the pitch. Um, in the end, that comes down to the manager. The manager has to tell his player to, uh, to to wind his neck in and play a bit more appropriately, or take the stand and and say you're not going to play because you're a danger. Mm. But the manager uses him as a tool, a blunt tool, a very blunt tool yeah. indeed. But um, it, it's a tool that works. And if the, if the manager's not going to stop him, and the referees or the the the, uh, the football associations aren't going to change the way that things work, then 
you have to sort of prepare yourself for that. Just a very realistic approach to it, really, I suppose. I think he's a vile, vile piece of work. But yeah. he, he has a job, and he gets paid to do that job, and that job is, is a hatchet man. Hatchet man, yeah. He's a hatchet man. He, he's, a, he's a Razor Ruddock. He's a, he's, a, he's a Nobby Styles. Chopper Harris. Chopper Harris, yeah. That's what he does. I think he's more a Lee Catamull. Um, I think those those players had a bit about them. I don't. I think he's more. He's just a street thug. That you're saying he's just yeah. a street thug yeah. wearing wearing a, wearing a wearing sponsor. For, yeah. <laughs> and he's and he's, a, he's an overweight street street thug, thug as well. He's I not, can't dispute that. No, he's not. He's not an athlete. Um, last season um, when we played them, that was a pivotal pivotal game because we it was, an, it was an awful day. I remember it. Um, we lost two one. I think Chadley pulled one back late in the day. Really bad performance. Um, it was woeful. It was woeful that day. But it was a bit of a watershed moment because I think it was after that game that um, supposedly Poch, that some of the Poch had a, or well, there was a confrontation with um, supposedly Adebayo, Lennon, French Capoue, um, and someone else, Kabul. Kabul, yeah. Look how quickly we forget. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Who? And none of them played very little after that game. And um, he kept, I remember the first few matches of last season, um, he didn't really have a settled back four. I think it was after that match that Vertonghen and Fazio, and then obviously later Dyer came in, a few, few games for Fazio, you know, were, were, were the pairing, the favoured pairing. But prior to that game, Kabul was starting a lot. Um, Addy started that game. Um, but. Uh, it, it was a turning point, and I just I wonder. Stoke are difficult, but we on that day we conceded an early goal, and I know it's an old cliche in football, but um, I think if we get an early goal next week, um, mm-hmm. I think we'll be fine. Um, I'm just concerned if we don't, and if they get an early goal, knowing our crowd, our home crowd, it will start. We'll start to get a bit restless, and that's the only thing that slightly concerns me. But I think. <sighs> Well, it's early, early in the season, first home. A clattering on uh, on Kane would probably um, set the cat amongst the pigeons as well. Yeah. I, I reckon that will be what Charlie Adams' job will be, uh, to rough him up a little bit and see how that goes down. Uh, that, I suppose, in a sense, that kind of moves us on. I was saying earlier on about uh, I'm being a bit lightweight. Are we going to get another striker before the, before the, the, the window closes? I think so. Well, yeah. Berahino is the one that's been talked about. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk, but not a lot of substance on that one. I haven't seen any, uh, you know, anything really coming close to anything more than paper talk on that one. Mm. It's been persistent. Um, I mean, he could do a nice little job, absolutely. But I just think I know it looks like we're going to be playing one up front. It's not just I don't think it's necessarily because of the the lack of uh, personnel. I think it's because it's a system that Poch wants to play. But we're going to need to have someone who can fill in or step into that gap or. Uh, a number nine to play alongside him if it's a, if it's a plan B. Um, uh, if, if Kane gets injured, you can see it on all the previews of our season. If Kane gets injured, what do we do? Yeah. And it's well, Stoke I, I, Charlie Adams' first home game of the season. Yeah. Ouch. I think if we get Berahino before then, and it's still three weeks to transfer window yep. left, um, if we get Berahino, then he can play. If we decide to go, I'm not saying, not suggesting that we're going to go four four two. I don't think Poch will, but I can see him going with two up top. Um, last fifteen minutes of a the game, then then mm-hmm. Berahino and and um, Kane have got that understanding, or Kane can drop off. Um, he's he's 
done that before. Yep. Um, or uh, Berahino can play as one of the three behind um, um, Kane, either down the middle or the left or the right, and he's got the pace, so um, he can he can cause problems. But where he differs from, say, Chadley or Lamella, um, Dembele Eriksson, is that because he's naturally a centre-forward, um, he can break into... Um, He's, he's more likely to make those runs. Or Soldado is one that could do. It was interesting. We talked about him earlier. He can make that those runs beyond Kane if Kane drops back. Yeah. So yeah. Um, if we can get him, certainly, and maybe one other striker, um, it would be good. Um, just really quickly, before we do questions, on that game against Stoke, uh, just go around and get, get some predictions for next week, starting with Rob. Um, I'm going to go for a modest 1-0 Tottenham. I'll take that. Greg? 3-0. I think I think we're going to be up for it. I think we're going to we're going to show what we're made of because we have to lay down a message for the rest of the season to the other teams. So hopefully we'll use this opportunity despite Charlie Adams. <laughs> oh, that's mm. uh, see yeah, Rob's gone with the, the scrappy 1-0. Greg's gone with the, the trouncing. I'm going to go 2-1. I'm going to go 2-1. A uh, we'll probably we'll probably go 2-0 up and then have a dodgy last 15 minutes. But you see, I hate making predictions because it just shows how <laughs> little we know. <laughs> but yeah, it should it should at least be three points. I was, yeah, I was going to say I've not had the dream yet. So if I, if I get the dream, <laughs> then obviously my prediction will change. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go for, for, for two 0 If it was last season, I would have said two one. But based on what I saw yesterday with with Toby Alderweireld and and, and Jan, um, that is looking like we a look solid. It's, but it's, we still it's, need we still need a defensive midfield player, uh, yeah. defensive minded midfield player in front of the, um, the back four. It's something we haven't spoken about because of the uh, Alderweireld signing. Um, the fact we don't have to wait for um, the, the two of them to develop uh, their relationship; it's already there. So yeah. we've got a head start with that, and it's looking. Um, they, they, is it just me that they both look quite similar to each other as well, just in their physical appearance? When I was watching on TV, was like, yeah. Which one I is think that? that might be you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think... I think Toby looks more like uh, Soldado, if anything, the way he slicks his hair back. Oh, there you go. There you go. But I, I, I think that that looks like a promising partnership that could really, as you said, that could sort out the back. And it would yeah. be nice. It'd be nice not to have to worry about the back for, for a while. Um... Once he's fit, and I'm hoping he'll be back in the team next week, if you look at the back four, so Lloris, and then in front of him, Alderweireld and Jan Vertonghen. That's, that is pretty solid. And then to the left... See, left back, Davis is solid, but I think going forward, Rose is the better player. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And, Still um, can't cross the ball, though. Mm, I get frustrated, no, but... Rose. We, against Madrid, we were we were, doing, we were sending a lot down the left hand side, and it was not much was getting through. He he gives us he gives us an outlet going forward on the left, yeah, which is good. And um, and then on the right hand side, you've got, I suppose, a bit like the left with Davis and um, Rose. You've got Trippier, who I think is probably the better um, the better defensively than Walker. Mm-hmm. Walker's great going forward, and Walker, Walk, Carl Walker, at his very best, which is 2011-12, and I'm going back a few years now. You know, was um, a good player. Yeah. Um, I don't think since then um, he's 
performed to the same standards. And there's been reasons for that. He's been injured, takes time to come back from injury. Um, there's the fact that he used to have Lennon playing in front of him and Lennon would track back and, and, and help out. Um, but perhaps in, a, in similar to Rose last season with us signing Davis, maybe the signing of Trippier will be good for him because it will give him that competition and Absolutely. he won't rest on his laurels. And uh, But yeah, we, I think we've really got a solid solid unit at the back, which is good. Um, so yeah, I, I, two, for me 2-0 next week. Right, let's do some questions. Um, right, so on Twitter... Um, at 80 underscore Spurs asks um, if you could sign one more player before the deadline who would that be and similar sort of we have similar sort of questions from Zach um, Gasnola on Facebook who said if you could make one more signing um, realistic signing within our transfer and wages budget who would you sign that would take us above fifth into that promised land of fourth um, similar sort of question for Paul, Paul Simon. It's 15 minutes before the close of the transfer window, and you're you're Paul Mitchell. Levy calls you to say you have money for one extra player. Who would it be? Ooh, well, I've got a choice of two because, uh, you know, personally speaking, it'll either be uh, Barino or, um, you know, dare I say it, bring back Berbatov. I, I always liked Berbatov, and I was disappointed when he went to United. Yeah. Um, <coughs> or, I liked... Sorry, I was, I was, I was going to say, there is one other choice that I would love to see back at White Hart Lane, but I don't think it would ever happen, and that's Van der Vaart. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there, there was a photo of him. Where's he gone? Is it Hamburg or...? No, he's gone um, in somewhere in Spain. Which one is it? Uh, it's actually his granny, his, his maternal family style his grandma over is Spanish so he's actually gone to a club uh, and he's living 20, 20 minutes down the road from his, his grand but, but he was at the name of the club sorry but was, but was he at Hamburg just before that he was yeah he was right, Hamburg yeah. before that yeah yeah there was a photo of him um, with this new club and he just looked a bit porky yeah possibly. yeah well of course he's porky he went home and his wife cooked for him <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well there you go yeah um, I mean, for a it, while, there was an interview. I was going to say, all the, all the time he, he played at White Hart Lane, his missus stayed in Hamburg because yeah. you know she she got her um, business over there. So of course he's gone home, and his wife cooked for him. <laughs> I would say there was an interesting interview with him um, when he, uh, he he sort of criticised, uh, he gently criticised AVB by referring to him as that man. I can't remember his name. I think was the way he referred to AVB, <laughs> and he said Harry was great because he would be like your dad and put his arm around you and say, you know literally go out there and do your stuff. And he says, looking back now, he wished he, he, he it was the worst decision he made to move away from Spurs. He should have stayed and fought for his place because he was playing the, the most expressive football he and probably wanted to play. Uh, but you know, and it's gone now. The chance has gone. I don't think he's the same player he was yeah. years ago. Um, I think Rob's white, right? He's. Um, He's on the, 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 the chubby side, and he's, he's taking he's taking that last hit on the money before he, he, he pulls up his boots. Mm-hmm. Um, my answer to the, the, who would you sign? I don't think we're not going to see a marquee signing this summer. Um, I, I don't think that's the strategy. I think it's quite clear. You know, you're saying if Paul Mitchell's got five minutes to go and he's got the money, 
he'll buy someone young and promising. They won't be a, a big outlay. And to be honest, I don't think there is that big one magic player out there uh, in our realistic price range and our realistic um, you know, expectations. I don't see anyone who can just as one player make that difference. I think Berlino is, is, a, is a good shout and would be a great player. I'm struggling. I'm struggling looking around as to who would fill a, a push-us-over-the-edge role. I, I don't know, is the answer. Well, I was going to say, under Poch, and we, we, we know when Poch and Mitchell were at Southampton, we know that they can bring young players and develop them and make them into quality. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it wouldn't be a bad idea for, for Mitchell to say, right, OK, we've got X amount of money, let's go and buy ourselves a, um, a, an almost non-heard of exactly. um, and then develop him. Yep. We, we've done it with Kane, we've done it with uh, Bentaleb, Mason's doing the same way, mm-hmm. Carroll, um, Pritchard's looking all right, you know. So why not an, an untested striker up with Kane? Mm-hmm. Deli Ali's looking exciting. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I think that's what they'll do. I, I don't think they'll spend 20, 25, 15 million on someone. They'll spend, <laughs> like he's been saying, they'll spend some money quietly here and there on people we probably haven't even heard of. People will struggle to find a YouTube clip video of. <laughs> um, Greg, is there anybody that you'd like to see within reason in the Lily, famous Lily White? Well, except for the usual suspects, um, I've, this guy, Batman. Mishi Bachui, I think he's from Marseille. I don't know if he's available now. He was available. Um, he cost about 10 million, 12 million maybe. He's exciting, he's young, and he's got a very good attitude. I, I saw the YouTube clip of him. At the, at the beginning, he's talking about his attitude and how he, he, obviously he would like to start every game, but he understands that he wouldn't necessarily start every game. He's not starting every game in Marseille. But he's exciting, he's got lots of tricks, he scores quite a few goals and nice goals as well. Um, as I mean, as, as you said, I mean, a lot of people probably haven't heard of him. I'd never heard of him before I saw his name mentioned, but he looks really exciting. And I think that like, if Harry's playing and it's not quite coming off, then if we could put him on, he'd add another dimension, cause a few more problems. I, I, think, I think it would be an exciting, an exciting purchase for you know, good value, he wouldn't cost an arm and a leg, because the English players they're they're too expensive. I don't know why they have this premium on them. It's ridiculous. It's like the Italian league; they've all got an extra, yeah, ten, fifteen, twenty percent put on top of their price. It's it's true. It's true. Is he the guy that we were linked with at the start of the summer that Arsenal were looking at as well? Is this the guy you're talking about? The um, is it Monaco? Isn't it? You said no, not Monaco. I think it's Marseille who plays for Marseille. 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 Yeah. I'd. Yeah, other than the usual suspects of Berahino, the one player I would like, but not in this window, but possibly in the January January transfer window, and that's depending on how he um, how he does for the first half of the season. It's Joe Rodriguez at Southampton. If and only it's a big if. That's if he comes back um, into the Southampton team and, and comes back as a player that he was before he got injured. Um, I mean, if I was being completely unrealistic, I, I would have still said all day long, uh, Juan Mata. I, I think he fills the role of what we're looking for, which is like a, a strong arm in the midfield. Um, I, I'm just trying to answer the question in a realistic state. Uh, I, 
Rodriguez is a possibility. I think we've shown we can go and cherry pick from mm. Southampton. We can, <laughs> we, we can do that. Um, but yeah, I, I think at the moment the market, the market in terms of football players has gone, uh, has, has gone a bit tight. Um, yeah. And uh, you have teams like Chelsea, Manchester City, uh, Real Madrid, Barcelona uh, signing up players left, right, and centre, and it's becoming more and more difficult for you know, that middle tier like we are. We're getting squeezed. It's either it's either you pay a premium or you take a punt and see what happens on maybe unproven talent. There was a couple a couple of lively performers on the the Watford team. I was watching the Everton Watford game yesterday. As a best substitute striker, I've forgotten his name. He was um, he looked lively. He looked lively. There's a couple. There are young players and you know relatively unknown or untested players out there. It's about how you blood them and and uh, and how you pick. I suppose isn't it? Okay, uh, moving along. Ali Hassan asks: the Deadwood clear out has obviously freed up more cash. Is it for new players or the stadium? From what I understand, the stadium uh, money has been separated out and hived out. So um, let's hope it's for um, personnel. Yeah, I think that you got the NFL deal and naming rights and and all of that. And I think that I think the stadium will take care of itself mm-hmm. personally. Mm-hmm. I'd like to think. I mean, it's a lot of, not a lot of money, but that 11 million quid that we got for that building that we sold to an insurance company, I think, yeah. I think that'll go just to go towards the stadium. I can't see that moving towards the transfer budget. Um, I was going to say, not Spurs related, but talking on stadiums, did anyone see the news this week <clears throat> about West Ham and the Olympic Stadium? Oh, what was that? Uh, the taxpayer are going to be forking out a lot of money for... Um, uh, stadium facilities, pitch upkeep, goalpost upkeep, security. Isn't that because the stadium is not technically an asset owned by the football club? They're leasing use, aren't they? However, I'm going to go yeah. homeless effectively, aren't they? But however, Man City rent the um, the, the Manchester Stadium. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was a former Commonwealth Stadium and they pay mm-hmm. everything themselves they pay the rent and they pay all the overheads West Ham are paying the rent but they're not paying the overheads the taxpayer will be paying that and that's disgusting well it, it's a more common model particularly for here here in Europe uh, I don't know about in Brazil but here in Europe uh, a lot of football uh, clubs the, the local authority own the stadium here in Zalabar, yeah. the stadium isn't owned by the, the, the team. Uh, the club is not an asset they have. The asset is maintained and, and owned by the, author, the, the local council, which is why it's just a dire state, because uh, mm. they can't afford to upgrade it. Uh, and that's it, quite common across Spain, Italy, um, particularly in Southern Europe. <clears throat> uh, is it the same in Brazil? Yeah, well, the, our local big stadium is the Fontinova. It's a World Cup stadium. And there are two teams in Salvador. There's Bahia... Mm. Who are who I can spit on because they're like Arsenal to us, and uh, there's Victoria. <laughs> um, Victoria have their own stadium. It's not particularly fantastic. It's quite strange actually. It's almost like it's dug out into the earth, mm-hmm. um, but it's theirs. The Fontinova belongs to the local government, no, to the state actually, and um, Bahia play their home games there. Now, last time around, Bahia said they couldn't afford the rent. So they were going to leave and play a, a third stadium, which we have here. Um, the state turned around and said um, to the stadium, you, you've got to reduce your, your rent so that Bayer will play there. Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing. It's, it's big subsidies. And 
it, 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 it doesn't just hit the taxpayers. I mean, obviously, it hits the taxpayers and it hurts them more. But for example, Victoria, they they see all these benefits going to to Bayer, and they're not getting anything. You know, the the, the state is kind of sponsoring this other football club, yeah. and Victoria having to live on their own means. Yes, so but it's, it's the same kind of thing. It's not like West Ham can't afford it. You know, the the, the overheads that um, effectively would be going to be uh, coming to the taxpayer are between one point four and two point five million. Why can't West Ham afford that? Their club was valued um, a couple of uh, was it December last year at four hundred million, which is four times as much as Gold and Sullivan paid for it in the first place. Yeah. So you know what's five million to, to them per year? I think it's, a lot of it's it is down, A lot of it is down to well, isn't there? There is a thing about European legislation about uh, unfair support in competition from. Um, in business in general, uh, for government providing funding for certain businesses and uh, it doesn't create a balanced playing field. Um, surely the same would apply to uh, to football. But mind you, again, we, we drifting into politics. If we if we did it properly, um, you know, Real Madrid would still get their funding from the state. <laughs> they wouldn't change. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, it, you're right. You're right. It, it's it's wrong. But basically, we have to take the Spurs way about it, don't we? And have to say, look, we uh, our club have financed their own stadium, had to go through the whole process, had to jump through all the hoops, and at the end of it, we'll have something to be rightly proud of. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's we're not leasing a stadium. Uh, we didn't have uh, local uh, authority literally gift as land like in the case of Arsenal um, when they were building that stadium I was living in London and it, they built it around a, uh, a rubbish tip and so for about a six month period you still is isn't it the site was a dump <laughs> literally and on Saturdays and Sundays I used to drive up in my car and uh, dump rubbish in the centre circle for about uh, four or five months to set up my little trip. Oh, keep on doing that, please. <laughs> <laughs> you can still use it as an operating tip while they're building the stadium around it, so it's a very satisfying experience. Uh, I know they've just beaten the Woolwich Wankers, but um, I, I've got them down to get relegated. I think that I think West Ham will get relegated, and if they do, be, wouldn't it be fantastic if they went down and they've got that massive stadium and they're trying to fill it um, in the championship? It would, be, it would be delightful. It would be delightful. <laughs> and but then but again, what about you know, there for the grace of God go we. <clears throat> you know, because I didn't want to go there. Um, I could see I could see the argument for it, but it, 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 it it's not right. It's not right in terms of as a football stadium. And, and yeah, they're going to pay the price for that. Mm-hmm. Upton Park, I will never call it the Berlin ground. Upton Park was a, a, a great, wonderful, compact, British, English-style football stadium. And it was an intimidating atmosphere for teams to go to. Uh, the Stratford uh, White Elephant will not be the same. Yeah. Not be the same. Okay, okay let's move it along. We've got a few questions I want to get through. Again, apologies, we've had a lot of questions in, and I, I won't be able to read every single one of them. Um, but uh, if we've got any good ones, which which we can't get through today, um, we'll, we'll look at those next week. Um, Paul Simon says, Alderweireld is a stage, and all the men are merely players." They have their exits and their entrances. Do you agree with Shakespeare in his assessment of our transfer activity? Yes. <laughs> Move on. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliantly yeah. worded question. <laughs> okay. On the um, yeah, it's difficult. Pun of the week. 
I'll give that. Right, um, Jess Nichols says, does the panel think the transfer window should close before the season starts, which would stop which would stop all the last-minute um, drama, or should the transfer window be abolished? I mean, just go back to the way it was, the transfer deadline day, which was sort of mid-March or something, um, which would stop all the last-minute drama. Um, I'll go on, Rob, go on. I was going to say, it wouldn't, it wouldn't necessarily be a bad idea for the uh, transfer window to close when the season starts. And then, you know, you 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 tell all the teams, right, the season's starting, this is the, the squad you've got to work with, work with it until the next transfer window. So, yeah. yeah I, a, I, I agree, because, I mean, it would stop the, sh- the silly season short as well, mm-hmm. wouldn't it? I mean... We, we get linked with virtually everybody who might have some pair of football boots. It's absolutely ridiculous. And it would be nice to start the, start the season without all this distraction. Yeah, and it wasn't as if the system before was broke, so to speak. I, I don't recall. I mean, I know... Like, I mean, history would have been very different. For example, if Eric Cantona, as I recall, moved to United in November yeah. of 1992, that signing was pivotal to United that season. If there had been a transfer window, he would have still. I would. I would. I would imagine he still would have been a Leeds player, um, and uh, at least until what you know the January window, or whatever. And and the system before worked. And and I think it's. Um, I believe in freedom of movement, and uh, I think that transfer windows are a bit, a bit restrictive, really, and they add all this last minute stupidness and plus it's really annoying having to uh listen to sky tv even if you don't watch it just just you, you still get the ads and mm. about oh it's transfer deadline day and this that and the other and the non-stop coverage all day it just does my head it's in. even it's even permeated into <clears throat> the, the football manager and the fifa you know the uh, the computer games if you play a computer game you've got to sit and go through transfer window yeah minutes. it's infuriating um, I was going to say, I was going to say, I agree with you, Jared. You know, freedom of movement is is a, is a pivotal thing on, on liberal capital markets, obviously. But um, I think the transfer winners are brought in to uh, help maintain the status quo. It's a bit like the fair play regulations. You know, I mean, on the face of it, it looks like it's going to benefit the small men, and actually, all it does is it maintains the status quo position for the large power. You know, there was a shift coming in 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 football. You know, Bosman brought that. Things were changing. So it's a, a way of maintaining the power bases as they were. If you're a big club with lots of money, you can afford to have a big squad. Mm. You know, and a transfer window stops for, you know, you know, clubs dipping into the market in the way that they used to be able to. Um, I can't stand, I can't stand the hype and the drama either. Um, I do like the idea of once the season starts, that's it. Your your roster of players is locked and get on with it. But in the end, it does benefit the bigger boys rather than uh, fair competition. Of course, the, you know teams like Man United and Arsenal can make that last-minute buy and swoop in and buy players like Kane or you know, you know, snatch bail from Real Madrid right at the last minute. And it, it, it's it's not a fair on like the lesser teams, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Teams like mm-hmm. Bournemouth, who you know, they they've you know they may have spent all all their money. Um, I don't know, um, and you know. It might be a case for Bournemouth. It might be a case of right, you know, they've got what they've got now, and that's what they've got to work with until January. Yeah. But you also see there's been there's been a change in in the culture of football anyway. You know, again, when I was growing up, it was about players like David Platt, Stuart Pearce, 
players like that who were spotted and worked their way up through literally an apprenticeship through the lower clubs, mm. places like Crew. Uh, these yeah. days, you've got clubs like like Chelsea that have such a uh, a an internationally widespread sort of spider web of scouting that they're best signing best signing kids in the Serengeti plane. It, it's ridiculous. You know, but there is no space for the, the smaller club. The smaller clubs used to live off the big sale of one or two players. Um, and that's that's all changed now. That's all changed. Okay. Um, final few questions. The next couple we'll, we'll just do really quickly. So Kent Goodrich asks um, Soldado. Um, he's been given the number nine shirt. Is he st- is he still a Spurs player at the end of the window? Just a quick yes or no from everybody, starting with Greg. I think yes. Yeah, I think he is. I won't panic if he is, as long as we get someone else in as well. Okay, Rob. Deep in thought. <laughs> mm. Mm. Soldado, Spurs player, yes or no? End of the window? Yes. Okay. Merrick? Uh, yes, if only for him to uh, do something great and wonderful to remember him by. I've got um, a lot of time for the lad, so we say. I hope so. I'm going to say... No, I think him and Addy, Addy will be gone. Right, um, next one, Ed Brad, we sort of covered this. Is Eric Dyer a defensive midfield player? I think we, we, we talked about that earlier to a degree. Probably not. No, Jewish, he's uh, being used as a utility player at the moment, yeah, I think. Yeah, There's a yeah. fill-in. We need this. We need a right-back. Eric, go play there. We need a defensive midfielder. Eric, go there. Yeah, but, yeah. It's yeah. Square peg in a round hole. Like a defensive right. version of Lewis Holtby, yeah. Mm. Okay, final few questions. Um, I do really mean final few. Um, <laughs> final two. Right, so Kent Goodrich asks, um, what Spurs player deserves to have a sex act named after him? Um, clearly failing? Fa- <laughs> was it failing um, or falling? I can't. I'd say... Around the box is a soldado. Kyle Walker, a quick poke. <laughs> <laughs> I would say NASA Chadley because it, the 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 act would be called the dolphin because he's a mammal and he has to he has to come up for air sometime. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say uh, a lamella would be a a clingly uh, presented boy giving a cheeky finger without cleaning under his fingernails. Oh dear. Okay. <laughs> um, final one, another one from Kent Goodrich. Um, Kent asks. Um, so you're a bartender um, tasked to create a cocktail named after a current Tottenham player. Who would it be and what are the ingredients? Um, he goes on to say, if given that the Adebayor is a chipped shaving mug full of lu- lukewarm piss. Now that's not very nice. Well, I think that's a fair statement, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a co- cocktail named after a current Tottenham player. Ooh. Yeah, uh, how about something with uh, you know 90% uh, proof alcohol? Call it the the walk away, the walker. Drink it and you're gone. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I'm gonna go for something um, lots of alcohol with a bit of a head on it, and call it the Alder World because he's got a bit of a hair going on, so it's a bit of a head. 
Right, so, uh, yeah, final question. What, one other question we've got from Kent Goodrich. Kent asks, what elements would you put into a Tottenham Hotspur drinking game? For example, Walker sends Larice a hospital pass, one drink. Harry Kane's mouth escaping open, one drink. Player mentions bouncing back after an, an insepid loss, six drinks. Well, I, I would go more on uh, commentators uh, and things like that. So every time Alan Smith is put on uh, a Spurs game, you have to uh, drink half a bottle of whiskey uh, just to get through it. I would say every time a, uh, a commentator or an analyst describes uh, a good Tottenham player performance as a, uh, a risk of being sold to another club, uh, drink the other half of the bottle of whiskey. Uh, and then you could then take your pick of anything that Harry Redknapp and Glenn Hoddle say I and mean, add appropriate alcohol <laughs> reference afterwards. It's, See, it's guaranteed they'll be cynical. You've just nicked mine because I was going to say every time Glenn Hoddle's put on a panel uh, or commentating and says Spurs look very poor at the moment, you could have drink a large. Drink. <laughs> yeah. Spurs, Spurs look very poor. Or, you know, what's the other one he says? You know, there's no dynamism, there's no movement. And you go, yeah, we know, Glenn, we know, we know. Uh, so yeah, I would I would do the drinking game based on the predictability of what the commentators and analysts were going to say. Mm. Um, it's too painful to do it on t- in terms of what uh, <laughs> what what players do. Good answer. Okay, Dave. Um, thank you, Rob, um, for joining me this week. Thank you, Greg, for standing in at short notice, and and, and a big thank you to Merrick, um, who I mentioned at the outset. Um, he hadn't been on the pod for um, a quite year. a while. A year, pretty but well, to start off and. Uh, um, it was good that you've jo- joined us, you were able to join us and uh, everything working. So thank you all and uh, yeah, Stoke next week. Um, hopefully we can, we can get, hopefully, hopefully we can get back to winning ways. The future's bright, the future's lily white. Good night. Oh, no.